Can you hear me now? Yeah. I do not know what happened there. Like, I, you were no, in conversation. And it, the screen lock button on my phone. Oh, okay. I was <laughs> like, oh, no. So do we need to start over or are you able to merge the two? I'm able to merge them. Okay. So what, what, what was your story? You were going into depth about your, um, your condition as a whole. So for mine, like I said, you know, I developed insomnia from, you know, being afraid to go into a seizure when I oh. want to relax and sleep. Right. Yeah. So I Damn. have to, I have to actually control my mind on how it relaxes. Meaning if you know the four brain waves that your mind operates, beta mm -hmm. is your automatic response and thinking process that your brain reacts. Alpha is the most creative and optimal. Theta is semi-relaxed. And then delta is completely subconscious, right? Yeah. So I have to control my mind as I take it from um, the alpha phase that I try and keep it in, obviously, into, you know, theta, where it's semi-relaxed, but it's controlled. It's not completely unconscious. And then take it into a subconscious delta state. So do you do a lot of meditating? Nope. Really? Nope. Wow. Because what is meditation? It's relaxation. The yeah. mental clarity, right? I don't need relaxation for mental clarity. I'm the type where I flourish in chaos. Mm. So, gotcha. when you, and when I realized that is I started playing audiobooks while I would lay down in bed instead of watching TV that would be like action packed and stuff. And so yeah. my mind is slowly thinking as opposed to fast response thinking, it's kind of sponging information mm -hmm. and then slowly going into a subconscious learning state. Huh. So it's like a reverse engineered version of hypnosis, but with applicable information. Yeah. So like the audiobooks we have in CU and stuff like that, I'll play those or audiobooks that I bought and play those while I sleep. And then I'll start from the chapter that I started as I laid down the next yeah. morning while I'm at the gym. So that it's just a rehash and reactivation of that information that I learned in my sleep. And it becomes natural beta responses and thinking for me. So I stay in alpha, you know, 99 to a hundred percent of the time while I'm completely alert and aware. Wow. So, so tell me about your history. How, how did you get diagnosed with this? Was has it always been an issue or what's, yeah, what was so your problem? it's always been an issue because my mom and my dad was on drugs when she was pregnant with me. She was addicted to pain pills and anxiety pills. He was mm -hmm. doing myth and whatever else he could get a hold of. Mm -hmm. So nobody else from either side of the family has this it's not a hereditary condition it was done due to the result of their drug decisions damn and when i was two i went into a 45 day non-responsive coma they said they was going to pull the plug flatline me i wasn't responding you know they would poke me with a pen my body wouldn't jerk or move i would just lay there like a zombie right damn my body wouldn't um respond when they turn the temperature down or put a cold rag 
on my scan or anything like that. So how long did it take you to be able to control this situation and control your mind on this whole process? How long did it take you to basically, in a sense, for lack of a better term, hack your brain? Honestly, to where I am now, it took me, I'd say probably the past two years to get full control and realization mm -hmm. of it. Mm. But it was under kind of like your body with your pain receptors to feel mm -hmm. that, you know, your occipital lobe produces when you get poked with a needle or something or you get cut, a rock hits you, et cetera. You feel that pain from those receptors because it's your natural yeah. instinct and function of your body. Yeah. Yours was controlled with pain pills. Mine was with epilepsy pills that actually. Hello. Hello. You there? Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Hello? Are you there? Can you hear me? Hello? You there, Melissa? Can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me? Hello? Can you hear me now? Yeah. We're just overloading this app with awesomeness. That's why it keeps crashing. Yes. So what was the last <laughs> thing you heard about? So last thing I heard you talk about, you said um, you're talking about pain receptors being blocked by painkillers. And then you were going into, and this is like right where it cut off, um, seizure medicine and how that works and yeah. that part. So mine was controlled by epilepsy medicine that was eventually recalled in the mid-2000s mm. uh, it affecting people's emotional behavior. Um, it caused toxicity in the kidney and liver and caused failure to those organs in people. It even caused um, thyroids to be both over and underactive and permanent weight gain on people. So wow. the medicine and everything 
Um, they put me on clonidine, which was, it was kind of a multi-purpose. It was mostly used for bipolar cases, mm-hmm. um, but it could be used to keep somebody calm who had overabundance of energy, et cetera. So they tried using that to keep my brain stable from being overactive, but not under either. Yeah. And so most of my life, it was experimentally controlled, I guess you could say, by prescriptions, kind of like your body was. Yeah. And at that point, I had decided to get off medication completely for a few years. I had been off it and everything. You know, I tried the whole CBD oil and all that put me directly into a seizure. So damn, I can't even be near marijuana. Mm. The smell of it induces me into a seizure. Damn. The last time I had one was due to, is actually a couple of weeks ago. I had three seizures back to back that lasted multiple minutes apiece due to mm. a that lives below my friend smoking marijuana and it coming through the vent because it's an older building. That's got to be scary, man. I mean, you know, with Chiari, I deal with these, the, the fact that it can be spontaneously fatal, but also just being like in your case, I can only imagine like, you're like, Hey, if this exterior from my environment happens, I can go into a seizure. Right. Something that, you know, primarily is out of your control. Like that really sucks. And with it being legalized, you know, I can't really go into certain places. So like bars and stuff, people are going to come into the bar, you know, high with it being legalized. Uh, Places that multiple people live, kind of like at my friends, your neighbor might privately smoke it and their unit. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. traveling as a whole, I'm sure that traveling states and stuff like that, that probably affects you. You know, if you go to a place like Oregon or, you know, some of the, the more liberal leaning states that have, you know, I have that whole California experience because people yeah. just do it casually like cigarettes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, that's brutal, man. And then. It's 100%. Alcohol can even do the same thing, but it's kind of a 50-50 with alcohol. So that's why, yeah, I don't drink. And if I do, it's like one drink for my birthday or at a friend's wedding or something. And it's something very light. And I have my fiance Katie drive after I've had that in case I do go with one. Because when I go into a seizure, it's not a normal experience that your everyday EMT would experience. So, like, last time, due to the torture and abuse and experiences I had as a kid, mm-hmm. I go Jason Bourne when I come out of a seizure as opposed to being just dazed and confused. I get aggressive. Like, last time, they was <clears throat> trying to put me on the ambulance. They had me strapped to the stretcher and everything, right? I undid the straps. I shoved the EMT on the left of me. Pulled IV out of the vein on the top of my head, busted the vein. My hand swelled up, 
running frantically acting Jason Bourne like somebody was trying to capture me and kill me. Wow. Wow. Like, if you try and touch me when I come out of a seizure, I'll attack you. Even if I'm still in one, I've swung at EMTs and hit them in the face unknowingly. Damn. So how do you move on from life with this? What does that look like? So I actually take advantage of it. You know how I told you I have to have a certain amount of sleep, right? Mm-hmm. I actually use that by, you know, not spending as much money like people would at bars or outing occasions and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. have learned to, you know, optimize the time that I have during the day because there's people that can get up at four o'clock in the morning and stay up till, you know, one working late on something. I can't do that. So everything I do has to be a thousand percent. I have to 10 X everything I do. So I get 10 X results in a shorter time as opposed to having a talent or the hard work by doing long extended hours and overwhelming my brain and my body. I make sure I do optimal work hard. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So I have to get more in a shorter time frame with less effort than somebody else who can go longer and do more. Yeah. That makes sense, man. Well, it's interesting, right? It's interesting how these chronic illnesses, it seems like, you know, and if anybody's listening to this that just got diagnosed with a chronic illness, I want to help spread a little bit of, you know, hope. But it's amazing when you look at these adversities, chronic illness as an example, once you get past the emotional baggage and the challenges that come with it and you find how to embrace it a lot of the times it becomes you know your strength your biggest weapon it kind of in a sense becomes your superpower like the biggest the biggest lesson that I learned from you know this this chronic illness things a couple different things one of it is I learned the ability to speak up for myself to research the crap out of everything not rely on what other people tell me and to advocate for myself, which gave me really an unbreakable confidence because it made it so I really didn't give a shit what other people thought of me because a lot of the times I realized that they were wrong. You know, when you realize that the top neurosurgeons in the United States, some of the smartest, most gifted, brightest people can unfortunately be so wrong about you, it makes you realize how much your haters' opinions of you means absolutely nothing or other people's limitations on you means absolutely nothing because people no one knows what the hell they're talking about you know and then the other thing with this condition being able to be spontaneously fatal is it teaches you a lot about how you need to go all in how you need to leave everything you have on the table and live every day you know like it could be your last and what that really looks like like when I was younger, they said that I wasn't going to learn the same as everybody else. They was right about that. You know, in mm-hmm. high school, I was special ed. But in grade school, I was in the newspaper for honors and intelligence. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they said I wouldn't be able to do, like, physical combat or aggressive sports, like football and stuff. I did. Mm-hmm. I actually became a semi-pro cage fighter for Extreme Fight Night as well. 
So I went and took poundings to my head on top of all the stuff they said I would never be able to do. Damn. So they limited me a lot based on my chronic illness, right? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, they, they always do, right? And I mean, it's it's in good intentions. I get it. They want people to stay safe. But a lot of the times, you're, you're from what I saw for myself anyways, the more limitations that were put on me, the less I did, and the more that the cycle of just bullshit continued. Like, in, in reality, the more I stay still, the worse I feel. Like, that's right. just 100% how it is for, for me. It's just a, a very negative momentum where it's a very dark and crappy cycle that you can go down if you're you know laying in bed all the time yeah no i completely understand that yeah I'm with you. <laughs> it's it's just interesting man it's interesting i i really for a long time was very pissed off that i had this illness that i had this you know adversity and stuff like that and it, it gets dark a lot of the times because a lot of people randomly pass away from the community um one gal just passed away about two weeks ago and it's, it's sometimes really shitty to stay super positive and stay you know pursuing these big deals whether it's in commercial real estate or whatever knowing you very well may not wake up to get the commission check that you're earning or that you're fighting for but it's a hell of a lot brighter to fight for it than it is to lay in bed and just wait, you know, wait for you not to exist anymore. So it's, it's a tricky balance. Yeah. Cause I've actually had seizures in the middle of showings in front of clients before and swear to God, as soon as I came out of the seizure and woke back up, I finished the showing and I got their name on the contract both times. <laughs> Damn dude. So what keeps like, you know, empathy, sympathy what whatever they felt bad for me they yeah. wanted to do it they seen my pain i don't care i literally said what was the last part i left off at like you and i would anchor they told me yeah. I the showing i repitched everything reiterated everything done deal bada boom bada bing 30 days later getting paid yeah so what what is your big why? Like I know for, for myself, what my big why is that keeps me motivated with this, you know, shit that can be spontaneously fatal. But what makes you push yourself to the to the limit every day, knowing that you know you could have a seizure in the middle of a tour or show showing or something, or you know that shit can hit the fan real quickly for you. I mean, seizures can be deadly. What what is your why for pushing yourself to this limit? You just answered your question. <laughs> What, what was it? <laughs> huh? You know, knowing that I can go out any second, even in my sleep. Yeah. Like last year, I was having five seizures a night in my sleep. Damn. So knowing that I can die any second and not come back from it, even though I've been pronounced dead three different times and come back yeah. after having the sheet over my head, you know, that makes me want to do more. Because my mm. thing is, not. I mean, of course, I want to be super wealthy and successful, right? Any 10Xer does. But for me, it's not being the richest person in the graveyard. It's being the most influential. Yeah. 
So me having these, what people will call and consider chronic disabilities and disadvantages is what pushes me, you know, showing people that it doesn't matter if you got stage four cancer, you're a paraplegic, you know, your arm got cut off at a work incident, you're in a car crash and you lost your leg, like whatever, like yeah. you can still do stuff. And me having such a limited time being a ticking time bomb per se, and even with my condition being prone to having um, early onset Alzheimer's. Yeah. Especially the Alzheimer's runs in my family. Yeah. You know, I want to leave no stone unturned. And when I do get that, you know, people be able to remember something of me. And what I want them to remember yeah. is the influence I had on them through my achievements and work ethic. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm 100% with you. And it's interesting, right? I did a live stream about this yesterday where, you know, I went over like my two whys and I was like the biggest, the biggest thing for me, like I attack shit viciously. I don't know if you follow david goggins but i was kind of saying this before i found him and when i found him i was like holy shit but he talks about callousing your brain he's like i go out there and i i i do crazy things he's like i'm not training for a marathon he's like i'm training for life he's like i'm callousing my brain so when shit hits the fan i've got the mental toughness to you know fight back and go against it and that's that's a big reason why I'm going all in right now is I want to make sure if it comes to the point where I'm fighting all the top neurosurgeons in the United States, which really are the top neurosurgeons in the world, I have the mental tenacity and the mental strength to do it. And then also, you know, I, I feel like I've always believed that success was a obligation or responsibility. I've always believed that. But when I see these people that have the same condition or similar passing away spontaneously, I can't help but think that there's some reason why the hell I woke up today and I need to, you know, achieve the highest and best possible in honor of those who cannot right now to show people that there can be a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's, <laughs> it's sometimes shitty to model that stuff, you know, as I'm sure you can relate, but it's definitely something I think we, we have to continue to do. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I mean, there's also the fact, you know, that with mine, I can go in or out of it at any time, right? And yeah. a lot of people have been saying, oh, well, I hope the brain surgery goes well if you have it, or prayers, or da 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 da, da or marijuana this, that, et cetera. My thing is, yeah. I'm not scared. If I go under the knife and they operate on my brain, if I die, I die. If I don't, I don't. It's another chapter in the book. You know, when I go to the yeah. gym, I've got, I don't know, I'm not saying I'm Superman or anything, but say I had, you know, 300 pounds under me, right? Or over mm -hmm. me at a bench or something. And I just go into one and my shit snaps, my chest gets broken half and my rib causes internal bleeding and I die from that. You know, if I die, yeah. I die, I die working. 
when I'm in the hospital yeah. on the 14th of January to whenever they let me out, I'm doing the EMU. The first thing I asked is, can I have electronic devices? They said, yes. I said, good. <laughs> Cause I'm going to be working the entire time I'm in there when yeah. I'm not working. It's going to be because I'm either coming out of a seizure or I'm having one. Otherwise, yeah. I'm gonna be, you know, doing emails, phone calls, um, card on you, like you name it. I'm just going to be <laughs> tapping away and applying myself. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're fucking alive, dude. You have the responsibility to do so, right? Right. And that's, that's the thing. I don't know. What, what was amazing is a lot of people get, you know, shocked when they're like, oh, this condition can be spontaneously fatal and all that shit. And the, the pressure that can come with, you know, being able to die at any moment. But the only thing really is what I realized is when you can die at any moment, it, it takes the regular bullshit fear out of life and throws it away. Like, you don't give a shit if you get rejected by a cold call. You don't care yeah. if you get you know, fired. You don't care if whatever the hell happens, if the economy crashes, whatever the hell it is, one you don't person to go small to a different list. Huh? Like with a cold call, you know, me and you both yeah. get rejected because that just means it's one person that goes on to our um, follow-up list or our yeah. you know, cold prospect, etc. Yeah. You're just, you're not scared of dumb shit anymore. <laughs> That's the thing. 2015, yeah. weirdly enough, I actually had a wreck from having a seizure behind the wheel on Friday the 13th. Oh, damn. Drove into a lake, um, had to pull the car out of the lake, used the jaws of life to get me out of the car because of all the pressure and everything. Flew me an hour away. Mm-hmm. Woke up and everything. They said, you know, you can't drive. They've been telling me my whole life, you know, you can't drive. You'll have a seizure behind the wheel. I had one behind the wheel in 2015. I drive every fucking day. It's just like getting on a bicycle. Yeah, your knee's going to get scraped. Yeah, you're going to go over a stick or an object you didn't see and fall, and shit's going to happen. You get back yeah. up again. Yeah. And that's why I hate people who make excuses or, you know – Fear things, da 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 da. Those are just yeah. things you're blocking and limiting yourself with. Those are self-produced walls. Those aren't walls that are put in front of you. Yeah, and it's hard, man. It's hard when you develop this mental toughness not to judge other people that don't execute it on the same way. You know what I mean? It's it's extremely no. difficult. Not many other people to wake up the next day get in the car and drive again after dying behind the wheel the night before. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking hard. And it's really difficult not to, not to understand how the hell people can't understand, you know, what that's like. It's, it's a real pain in the ass, but that's, that's hardcore, dude. Like I, I gotta say, you're probably one of the, the hardest people I've ever talked to in my life, which is pretty kick ass. That's always the kind of people I like to listen to because they're the ones who challenge the industry norm, right? The limitations and the, right just easy bullshit like we're not here we're not put on this planet just to watch tv and not do shit and eat doritos man like right. <laughs> put on this planet to do something bigger and it's always it's always inspiring whether it's grant whether it's david goggins whether it's tony robbins eric thomas who the hell whoever whoever the hell it is when you oh, study yeah. these people 
with huh? your condition, with your condition, okay? Going into mm-hmm. any and everything you do, whether it's a daily task that everyone does or you know, a physical activity or a new opportunity, et cetera. What is your goal with every one of those things that you take action towards? My goal is always in the end result. So I want to be remembered as somebody that shows people that they can do anything and everything that they put their minds to. So I try to do, and I don't always succeed. You know, I'm, I'm human. I try to make every interaction as loving as I can, as an, as also as impactful as I can. So if I need to fire somebody, I try to do it in a way that's not damaging. I try to do it in a way that it was the last conversation I ever had with that person. I'm not some spiteful, vengeful asshole. You know, I do everything I can in a loving fashion. And I also try to execute in such a fashion that it shows people, you know, domestic violence, chronic illness, whatever the hell it is that they do not need to be limited by other people's perceptions of them. So I try to do everything I can like it can be my last. So like mine, mine is creation. I want to, if something exists, I want to recreate the standard for it. If something exists, but something better doesn't yet, I want Mm to do a new form of it. Right. Mm. Like for instance, recently I had somebody call me, from Indianapolis about a listing. They said, okay. Hey, we found you on Google. We want you to list the home after talking to so many other agents because you were the only one who had nothing but five star ratings. And in every one of your ratings, they talked about how transparent you were. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I use to make me stand out in real estate is the transparency. When somebody yeah. asked me about a property, or a question about a investment deal or something. I don't show them, you know, how sexy it is and how it's going to make them all kinds of money. I show them the flaws, the fuck ups, the shit that can hit the fan any second that they need to know about. Right. And then I tell them these are the negatives. Here's the positives that you can actually use to enhance your negatives so they're not as weak of a point in the deal, right? Mm-hmm. So I tell them the negatives first, then I tell them all the positives so it overwhelms them. I give them that wow factor and I wow them, kind of like Grant says, by being transparent and authentic. I don't yeah. tell them what they want to hear. I tell them what they need to hear. Yeah, you don't bullshit them. You just go all in. Yeah. Right. And I don't push people to move towards a deal either. I'm not that, you know, thirsty, get a deal, get a deal, sign this type of person. You know, if somebody really wants to pursue a deal, they'll pursue it. Yeah, yeah. there's, you know, times and techniques as far as selling that are applied and demanded. But it's not a push, push, push until they're over the edge. That's how you're going to push them away. Yeah. If you don't handle their objections, you don't handle what's really concerning them, their objections are just going to get right, very loud. I never get objections for the fact that I provide them the information about the objections. I tell them the issues yeah. first. So I don't yeah. have to worry about that. And even if they do give me objections, I still reply with an answer that best suits them, not best yeah. suits me. <laughs> I'm with you, man. I'm with you. 
Well, cool. I think we covered a lot of stuff on here, man. I'm excited. I love it. Yeah. Well, cool, so, cool, cool. Biggest was, you know, doing, you know, things that people with similar or same conditions, you know, don't or think they can't. Yeah, well, not just similar, same conditions. Like, I was, um, I came from, I know you said, it sounds like you came from a fucked up background too, but I came from a background of high domestic violence. Neither one of my parents graduated high school. I was self-educated from the age of nine up and went through.